Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. This is Marshall Fant with GFA Missions Podcast ReChurch. We're here with Dr. Jack Mitchell, his wife Jennifer again on our second episode. Also, I have my wife Gretchen uh, joining us as we continue to hear of God working in their lives. In our last podcast, the thing that captured my attention about Jack and Jennifer's testimony is really Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 being lived out. Trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not to our own understanding, and all our ways acknowledge Him, and He'll direct our paths. And in our last podcast, we heard of Jennifer praying for her husband Jack to be saved for how many years was that? 13, 14, 15, whatever it was. And then Jack gave testimony of John 3, 3, of the Lord using that just to open his heart, take the blinders off, and put saving faith in Christ. So I want to pick it up with that. Okay, so uh, Jack, at this point you have a professional business uh, dentistry going. You're thinking about merging with another man. You got a lawsuit coming in from an ex-employee, and all this was driving you to consider the things of the Lord. So pick it up with there about uh, now that you're saved, okay, how do you face the lawsuit, and the partnership? Well, you know, looking back, I just we just thank the Lord for how He worked in our lives because we didn't know what to do next. What decisions were you facing? I was facing the decision of the partnership first. That was the first thing on my mind. And it was very clear to me that I could not proceed with the partnership. I didn't know the Bible, I didn't know the scriptures, the teaching of the Bible of being unequally yoked together with unbelievers other than the fact that I lived that way with my wife as an unbelieving Mm -hmm. husband for almost 14 years, and it was not a good thing. And so immediately I recognized to be in close partnership with this unsaved man was not gonna be a good thing. And we were in the middle of construction, spending a lot of money, and uh, I called him one day and I said, I need to talk, and uh, I shared with him my life had had changed. It was going in a, a new direction now. I didn't know where it was going, but I knew it was going in a new direction. But you knew the next step, you had to end the partnership. I did. And, and Jennifer, you in agreement with that? Yeah. Okay. So I shared with him that I couldn't go through with the partnership. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, whatever you think is fair, I'll do it, as long as we don't end up in court over this. I said, I'll, whatever, you, whatever you think is fair, I'll do So he got back to me, and bottom line is I had to give him my business. I had to turn over my patience to him. I had to give him my share of the building, and I had to give him all my dental equipment. So everything, basically. Everything, everything. And I had to agree not to start another business for five years in that location. Wow. And uh, so essentially we went from from me being, you know, we'll say a rich dentist to almost overnight having nothing. Hmm. So, um, But that was the next step of faith you knew was, you had and to do. You know, we had we had perfect peace about it. Jennifer, you too? Mm-hmm. Okay, I just I'm, want to make sure yeah. this because we all are a team, right? Yeah, yeah. We, didn't know, we didn't know what it meant for us, but we knew it was the right thing to do, so we did it. And just praying, you know, God, now what? Now what do we do? 
And very uh, soon after that, I got a call from a lawyer. And I don't even know who he was, but he said to me, uh, I don't know if you heard, but the lawsuit has been thrown out of court. Wow. I don't and know what happened. this was the ex-employee suing you for $9 million? Yes. Okay. It was gone. It was just gone. I don't know, I don't know what happened to this day, and I, I never cared to look. I just knew God took it away. It wasn't there anymore. So praise the Lord for that. You know, for us, it was boom, boom, boom. You know, one after another, God was just showing us the next thing. And so the first thing was the partnership was dissolved. The lawsuit was taken away. And we didn't know what to do. I didn't have a job. I considered some things, and I just wasn't at peace with them. I didn't want to get back into, we'll say, business dentistry at that time. I, I felt it was a trap for me to get involved with making money. And so um, we're just praying. And really, for the first time, we're praying together, which is uh, mm. kind of unique for us at that point. And so I got a phone call from a woman dentist at Tufts Dental School, where I had graduated from. So this is the dental school you graduated. How many years earlier? So you've been going out of dental school so, now. Yeah. So this is 1987. So okay. I, I graduated in 75. So but, so 12, 12 years. 12 later. years. Okay. And uh, I knew her from from the school. <clears throat> she was involved with training students to work in nursing homes using portable dental equipment. She knew I had some interest in that. I used to volunteer in nursing homes from time to time. And so she asked me if I had any spare time and would I be interested in... <laughs> you had a lot of spare time, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> and, and supervising students in, in nursing homes using portable dental equipment. They had a grant from the government to, to run this program. It would be a day and a half a week for me. So I said, jokingly, I said, let me check my schedule. But I mean, you know, I, for me, it was just obviously from the Lord. I said, yes, I'll do that. I did it for six months. She called me again. She said uh, they had lost the grant from the government. They had to discontinue the program, but I could keep the dental equipment, the portable equipment, and use it for myself if I wanted until they needed it again. And it turned out they didn't need it again for five years. And essentially, God gave me about $15,000 worth of portable dental equipment to use for myself. All right, so Jennifer, what was going through your mind? Okay, now you got a believing husband. This is another, you've seen God work, right? Yeah. Lawsuit, partnership taken care of, and now no job again. So what was going through your mind? Well, it was a pretty amazing time because things were happening pretty quickly. And God was answering prayer in wonderful ways. And I, I was at total peace about all of this because I thought, if God can save this man after all this time and after how hostile he was towards the gospel. Be careful now. <laughs> I thought, this is not a problem. God will provide for us. So and you just saw, so each of you, one of the theme I'm trying to get is God answered the next prayer. Right. As, you, exactly. as you as you and did Jack the right, next right thing Jack right? exactly Jack and Jennifer Mitchell took the next step of faith mm -hmm. God provided right? right right okay so Jack pick us up so now you're you got the dental equipment portable 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 dental dental equipment. equipment so I started uh, actually working in nursing homes uh, for myself again I, I I kind of misread at this point what God was doing I I actually was thanking the Lord for giving me a job where I could make money. And uh, at that time, this is back now again, 87, 88, I was one of a few dentists in the whole country that had portable dental equipment. Mm. 
Hmm. I just took that as you know being being my <laughs> my good fortune uh, rather than God's direction. So I I was working in nursing homes, several nursing homes, and thanking the Lord for for giving me that job. However, uh, at the same time, I realized that I didn't know the Bible, mm. and our church was in cooperation with other churches in the area, having a Bible institute, and so I started going to the Bible institute and learning the Bible. God was working in my life during that time and growing me spiritually, and one of the things we were studying was Romans chapter 1, well, the book of Romans, but in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 16 talks about, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I thought about that quite a bit, and I was working in these nursing homes, and I was not sharing the gospel with anyone. I think that was pride again in, in my life as being, you know, a professional man, and people would look upon me differently if they knew I was Christian, particularly in New England and Massachusetts. But uh, what happened was I started to see people dying. Mm. Obviously, working in nursing homes, you're going to see that a lot. And I realized that several of these people I had seen the week or so before and looked in their mouth and was not concerned of their heart Mm. and their soul. And now they were dead. Mm. And uh, I probably was the last person that could have shared the gospel with them, and I didn't do it. So God really convicted me there. And I, I told the Lord at that time, I will serve you with my life no matter what it is, even if it meant not being a dentist. Mm. Now, being a dentist was <laughs> was my life. Right. And but that was so, the next step of faith that you were taking. Amen. And so I started at that point, we started having Bible studies in, in some of these nursing homes. I think we had four or five uh, at one time. Now, Jennifer, and, did you go on the Bible studies with him? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And we, we just loved that. We just love that. God really knit us together with the people that we were ministering to. So that was a blessing, but we still didn't know what, what does God have for us. And we just kept praying, God show us. And then I, I received a phone call from the pastor of the church that hosted the Bible Institute. He had a missionary family home from, from Africa, and they had dental problems. And this pastor asked me if I could help them. So I brought my portable equipment to the house they were living in. I set it up in their kitchen, and I fixed their teeth, fillings, cleanings, whatever they needed. And this missionary said, wow, you could take this anywhere. And I said, yes, it's portable. He said, you could take it to Africa. And I'm like, why would I want to do that? And he started to share, you know, the people have so many needs, the missionaries have needs, and you would be a, a real blessing if you would consider that. Obviously, we had no money still, and we didn't know what the Lord had for us, and still praying, and so we told them we would pray about it. And so we decided to go, and now it's two years later, it's, it's 1994, we went to Senegal, West Africa. My wife and I and our two children, mm. and uh, we saw God provide for that trip financially. Uh, we had no money, but God provided everything we needed. We went for a month, we came back, and we said, that was wonderful, but we'll probably never do that again. <laughs> but you took that step of faith, yeah. we did. which yeah. leads to the next step. Yeah. And the next step was we got involved in a church treating missionaries that would come to a okay. missions conference. Yeah. We started meeting a lot of missionaries. And God was just kind of putting us in the realm of missions. 
And we didn't know what that was going to lead to until another missionary asked us to go to Papua New Guinea. We went there in 94, same thing for a month, the four of us. It was a horrible, horrible trip. We had problem after problem, so much so that we we were fearful at one point that we might not even be able to get home. But two things happened during that trip. All the problems we had, God solved them for us. We saw the faithfulness of God firsthand every day for a month. The second thing we saw was that unsaved people could hear the gospel by going to the dentist. That was like, (laughs) I I just couldn't fathom that, you know, that, that God could use a dentist to bring people in contact with the gospel. I never heard of it. And so we knew right away, this is what God has for us. Even this, though it was a terrible trip. It was right? terrible. It was horrible. <laughs> it was awful. It was horrible. Um, to this day, I mean, we've been, I don't know how many trips we've had, 100 trips, I don't, I, you know, I don't know how many trips we've had. Um, but to this day, that was the worst. And uh, very, very thankful to, to God for using that. We came home from that trip convinced that God wanted us to serve in that way. We didn't know the vehicle at the time. We prayed about it and talked to a lot of missions people and uh, tried to join a couple of different mission organizations and didn't feel doctrinally that we could. And uh, finally, a a mission friend told me, you need to start your own mission. And I said, no. I said, I don't know how to do that. And he said, I do sit down (laughs) and basically we did that and uh, so October uh, 1996 Grace Dental Mission was born. And from that you and Jennifer take trips to missionaries where you're invited right? Mm -hmm. So each step along the way God continues to open up door after door after door. Now kind of in closing if you would explain and Jennifer because I know you assist Jack in this right? Right. So tell our listeners a little bit about each day or a a routine day of how the gospel is worked in as you're loving people through compassion, meeting their medical needs, how that then opens their heart. Because all your funding is coming by faith. So you're now a supported missionary Mm -hmm. and you're going for these trips. I mean, you're going into some countries that cost a lot of money to get there. So it's not like you're just going one time. You're going month after month after month. Okay, so just explain what a routine day looks like and, and how that works. Okay. Well, we, we go to a location and we set up all of our equipment and a crowd will form. Is this like in a market, in a church? Is in Usually a- in a church or um, some sort of building. And so we set up and start to see patients. And the missionary that we're working with is usually the one that's in charge of the evangelism. So So he knows the culture, the people, the language. So all that is there. Right. So usually um, if there's a big crowd, there's someone that will address the whole crowd and share the gospel with them. Then because there is a big crowd, they have to wait a lot. Mm. And but most cultures, people are used to waiting and that's not a problem for them. So that gives an added uh, opportunity for the missionary to visit with them one-on-one, especially if they've shown any interest at all when he has shared with the whole group. So he'll go back to them, open his Bible, sit down with them, Mm. share the gospel, and ask questions. And 
And we've seen people saved and we've seen churches planted yeah. as a result of that. Just people coming to have a physical need met. They don't know they have a spiritual need, but they, they know they have a physical need yeah. and they want help with that. Kind of puts them in a more humbled position mm -hmm. and they're willing. Because they're coming to you to have a need met. Right. And it's just a physical need. And right. you know the spiritual need, as well as the missionary. So you're working, right. so Jack, you're working in the context of the culture with the missionary that knows the language of people. And I keep saying that because you work with people for this to continue on after you and Jennifer leave. Is that fair? To, yes. Is that we, accurate? We discuss with the missionary or a national pastor um, what our philosophy is and, and essentially what we want to be sure of is that the focus of the ministry is not the physical but the spiritual so the gospel needs to be presented and then the second thing that we emphasize is that it needs to be a follow-up following the ministry so the missionary is left with all the the names of people who have been treated and usually they they begin follow-up uh, soon after we leave so Again, as a result, we've seen several churches planted in different parts of the world, so we're, we're thankful for that. And I think the other side of it, not just the, not just the gospel presentation, but the, the idea of the people seeing us demonstrating Christ to them, mm -hmm. showing compassion on them, helping them with their physical need, whether they have money for it or not. We don't charge anything for it. They come and we just take care of them and we see as many as we physically can see. All right, last question. All right, so now the listeners may not be a dentist and his wife, okay, but they have a decision to make, a ministry decision. Okay, so all, again, as I mentioned in the beginning of each of the two podcasts, I view the Mitchell family as taking the next step of faith God wanted you to take. And so, and Gretchen, if you want to comment on this, please do in closing. So. For the typical pastor, the typical missionary, the typical pastor's wife, your team, and, and you're just stuck. You know, God, where are you? Okay, so how do you pray through that next step of faith? Gretchen, you want to start? I think uh, it's pretty obvious that God gives us His Word as a light to our path, and that, as you've said, you do the next right thing. What we want is a spotlight. We, want a, we don't want a light that just shows the next step. We want a spotlight that looks down and tells us what's going to happen in the future. And that's not walking by faith. Well, walking by faith, it's simple, but it's not easy. Right. Doing the next right thing that you know God wants you to do yep. and trusting God for the results. Amen. So well, it looks so. like that's what we're dealing with here. Yep. Jennifer. Exactly. Just because He leads us to a particular place, He does not give us all the details of that. And so we go many times not knowing what's going to happen once we step off the plane even. Right. And so we're just going, believing, okay, He's shown us this much. He'll show us the next thing Amen. when we get there. Amen. And uh, many times we've got difficulties going through customs, you know, getting into the country, things that we don't know how it's going to work out. Hmm. And yet, each time, he's so creative. He, he does things in amazing ways, and we've seen him just open the door wide in ways that we just laugh about afterwards <laughs> because it's so wonderful. Yeah. But it's hard, too, because 
sometimes the alternative can be kind of serious. If sure. God does not come through and do this, we're in big trouble here. Yeah. But he has never left us in that place. He's always worked it out. I think it's significant, too, and I, I'm not sure exactly what the significance is. I think I, I might know that the worst trip you had was the one where God really confirmed to you that was the direction you exactly. wanted to go. Right. Exactly. So I guess you could say, uh, because it's hard doesn't mean it's not right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, because it's hard doesn't mean you're out of God's will. Sometimes God uses the really, really hard things to confirm His His will and His way. And usually in my mind, because there is some fear that comes yeah. in these situations, usually doing the hard thing is what I know is probably the thing that we need <laughs> right. to do, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, Jack, last word. Well, one thing that I didn't mention earlier is along the way, as far as doing the next thing, there was that period of time where we were praying, God, show us what to do. And I got advice from a pastor friend during that time. He said to me, get involved in your church. Mm -hmm. Start serving the Lord in your church. Be in a place where God can speak to you. Amen. Use you now and show yourself faithful. And we, we were very involved in our local church. Mm -hmm. And I believe God blessed that. And there were, there were many things that we did where we were wondering, okay, is this the thing that God wants for us? Right. But I think he just wanted to see our, our faithfulness. We saw his faithfulness. Now he wanted to see our faithfulness. And then he entrusted us with the ministry that he's given us. All right, so the ministry he's given you. All right, as we record this, how many years has that been? that you have been traveling the world, spreading the gospel through your given abilities as a dentist and your wife helping you. How many years has that been? 23. 23. And over, you said probably over 100 trips, right? I, I, Something, I, whatever. I yeah, but the whole point is, all that, that started was simply that next step of faith. Exactly. So for our church leaders, deacons, missionaries, pastors, their wives, just the, the whole thing is that next step of faith. Yes. All right. Y'all have been a great encouragement to us. Yes. And I, I know this message will help a lot. So thank you so oh. much, uh, Jack and Jennifer Mitchell and my wife Gretchen being with us today as we record this. Again, thank many thanks to Sarah Hartwig back in the office for putting this together, as well as GFA for sponsoring the podcast. I trust this is a great blessing. Uh, if you have any questions, be sure to contact me, mfant at gfamissions.org. And I can pass along uh, Jack and Jennifer's email address, their cell numbers. If you're discouraged or you got a question, I highly recommend you talking to them. Jack, Jennifer, Gretchen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.